This is a post-Christian podcast. Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Meet Your Congregation. It is Caleb and I, as usual, and uh, we today we're interviewing my good friend Angel, who's going to tell you all about himself. So, Angel, welcome to the Meet Your Congo. Gracias. I don't know if all about myself, but <laughs> the things that I will disclose. <laughs> well, Angel, I've known you for, gosh, 10 years now, maybe? No, I think it's more. I think it's uh, 2006. Okay. When I when I was in Brooklyn. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot I was mm. in Brooklyn that long. So that's 14 years coming up to now. And I met you through, who did I meet you through? I think I was talking to, because at that time, back in 2005, I was in Australia. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And there was an Australian connection. And uh, and I think you had assumed that I was Aussie. And then I think I might have disappointed you by having this sort of American Puerto Rican accent thing. And you're like... <laughs> I think you used the word mate a lot. So I thought you were... <laughs> yeah, I still do. Yeah. I mean, that, that definitely has... That definitely has clung and people get confused, but it helps me not be boxed into a cultural stigma and whatnot. But yeah, back in 2005, I was at, I was doing Bible college at Hillsong. Oh. Maybe some people listening know about it, but that wasn't how I got to revolution. I, I knew about revolution probably when I was still in high school back in 2001. Okay. I don't know. When was it that you came out with Son of a Preacher, man? About 2000, 2001, I think, yeah. So it was around that time. I remember uh, I was at a friend's house, and he had a little cutout from a magazine that had made an excerpt of that book. And then you were making this cool pose. I don't know if you can still do that, but... Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then he had your tattoos, and a friend of mine tells me that, oh, you know, that guy's a pastor. And it took me a little while to digest that, but it gave me enough curiosity to check you guys out. That's when you guys were in Atlanta. Yeah. Atlanta, 2000. So ever since, back then when you had that Viva La Revolution website. Yeah, the Red I've Star. I've been listening to the podcast. Yeah, all those things. I even like got some merch from you guys. I think I gifted one of your shirts to a former ex-girlfriend. <laughs> I, didn't make, I didn't make a habit out of that though. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's funny because, yeah, that was – I mean, we were doing podcasts back then, and I don't even think they were called podcasts. Mm, yeah. Just like wave files that you email people who <laughs> subscribe or something. <laughs> yeah, it was really weird. I remember there being all sorts of crap about the discussion board. And so, you sent us our our tripod. I did. Fast forward to the future. Yeah. So you start listening to the revolution back in 2001, mm-hmm. and then you said you send the church a tripod almost mm-hmm. 20 years later. There you go. Finally. You finally started tithing, Angel. Well, you guys finally started. You finally started growing yeah. and, getting, and getting with the times. Yeah, technology. <laughs> so I figured I might help you guys out a little bit. So it's been a long journey. I'm sure it's been. I mean, something I, I relate a little bit with Jay has been like our. Even though his his paradigm of life or his journey is is quite is quite particular. But there's always been something that you know makes us have a bit of a common ground. Um, so even even since back then, when maybe the most controversial thing about you was maybe your appearance or yeah. <laughs> your music. Back in the now it's a bit, yeah. But it was just the color on your skin. 
Not the theology. Now is the serious stuff. Now is the serious crap. Now the shit hit the fan. Um, so yeah, so what brought you out to, I mean, I guess, I mean, what got you started listening to Revolution back in 2001? Yeah. When I was, like, I was born in a church. I mean, I always tell people I have been, I have been getting church even prenatally because my mom <laughs> was baptized as she was pregnant of me. And, um, and I don't know if, if any of you guys' mom did this to you, but, um, my mom would, I mean, it's in a good heart. She would always say like, you know, back when you were a kid, I, I asked the Lord to, to, to give me a, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a blessing and like you would have purpose and you know, it's, it's, it's basically de- declaring a blessing on your life. And she would always remind me of that. Even as she does today, I, I still receive it in, in good, in good eyes because I know it's. It's a, like, I wanted you to have a good life and have some purpose. Um, so all my life, I've been getting that. I grew up in a Pentecostal church back in Puerto Rico, uh, which was like fire brimstone. My family was a uh, secular Catholic family. And then my dad uh, and my mom, I think, got uh, ended up attending a crusade and hearing, I heard the gospel. And I guess they were uh, reconverted because they were already Christians, mm-hmm. but... You have to do the reconversion into Pentecostalism. And my dad even had like a big fro. He cut the fro because that he understood was the Lord's will. <laughs> um, maybe mm. space space consumption, maybe, <laughs> to free up space. So all my life, I've been at church. And I think when I, when I hit my teen years and I um, came out of high school, uh, I think my first uh, connection, remote, it might not be directly, was w- w- when I, when a friend of mine in my senior year gave me an album of uh, P.O.D. Okay. Mm. And that, to me, I think it was Fundamental Elements of Southtown, which was when they became big in Atlantic Records. And that, for me, was the... I, re- I really cannot believe that these people are conveying this Christian message in this way. And it wasn't like, can't believe, like, oh my God, how... You know, shame on them or how their day, but it was like a wow, this is resonating to me. And I think maybe through that, I came in touch with Revolution and that friend. Like, I was ready at that point to listen to a message that was like punk rock because I started getting my ears pierced, and that was a huge <laughs> deal for my, my dad. My dad wanted to kick me out of my house when I got my first earring. I remember. Then when I got my tattoo, it was like, I guess they were like, <laughs> like at this point, at this point we got to choose better our battles but but i've always like i i've i've been a uh i've been a i mean ever since i was a little kid i've been questioning things a lot my parents tell me when i was in kindergarten um my teacher had a hard time to get me to do the capital a's you know how they have the dotted line and they to make you exercise it to the top and then you put the the lowercase to the dotted line well i would make the capital a until the dotted line I wouldn't take it all the way to the top. Yeah. And then she would try to illustrate it. She would try to say, well, you know, it's like a tippy, like the little Indian can't get a tippy. So she even cited my parents to come in to school because I would not make the capital A go to the top. So this is five-year-old me hearing the teacher telling, her, telling my parents, you know, I've been trying to tell him that the little Indian cannot get into the tippy when he makes it up to the dotted line. And I pull, I'm tugging on my dad's pants. And I'm like, Dad, the teacher's so dumb because the little Indian can crotch down and he can get <laughs> into the t- tippy like that. So they t- I don't remember that story, but I kind of, I kind of, I kind of embrace it as a. I've always been a bit of a nonconformist. Um, 
and maybe that's a genetical thing um, to my to my parents curse because they've had to deal with so much stuff but i've always questioned things and uh when i was in you know in my teen years when i was expressing my faith a little bit different now in a baptist church it was a bit controversial mm-hmm. people were worried a little bit about me i'm sure i was in many people's prayer list mm-hmm. <laughs> <to> <laughs> make sure that those tattoos that i was expressing and all my tattoos had to do with my faith they had to do with my my walk right. on, you know so so, so that that got me into you know to concise it. it that that was where I was going. I was going to a different a, a, a different manifestation of Christianity, and I and I felt it resonated to me that punk rock or reggae or or whatever might been might have been in the margins was expressing faith in a way that I felt was authentic at that time. Mm. You know, yeah, it's interesting. I think to observe how. A church, or I guess, yeah, how a church as an organism evolves, because like Jay's evolution obviously has affected um, the membership. You know, like people who are still willing to <laughs> to be affiliated with us, and um, and we attract certain types. I'm doing that in big air quotes. You know, I don't want to be offensive to anybody, but we we attract certain types of thinkers, I suppose, and so it's, it's interesting to see. How how an organism evolves in that way? I mean, and if it's a, if it's a living thing, and that's the thing, and I think there's so much there's an element of, of fear to change, which is a very human thing. Mm-hmm. I think it's a very natural human comp. Um, it's a consequence of our human nature to to fall in a bit of a comfortable place and kind of like you know like you find a bit of a sweet spot. But I think organisms. Uh, should change because they, they 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 have to find a way not to just to keep with the times to be hip but just to be sustainable to to be to give oneself a, a willingness a space of willingness to 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 know what's going on and what what goes on every day changes mm-hmm. so that would that itself would involve evolution you know mm-hmm. evolution doesn't have to be this negative word that people have labeled upon because they can't get over the fact that yeah <laughs> things things adapt mm-hmm. you know yeah. darwin was saying it back then and 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 i think now we we, we have even more vital evidence that is is true for survival sake well i mean it seems too like they were always people are always okay if like to certain evolution, you know, like, oh, if you change the style of the, mm. maybe the church, the way you do it, or if you do the music in a different Use way. Use a guitar instead of an organ kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, like they were like kind of loosening up to that, but as soon as the theology evolved, that's when right. people really start to freak out because they want it to stay the same. Much like, you know, we've been going through Galatians and much like mm-hmm. the people in Galatians wanted Paul to just stay with the Judeo idea of Christianity, of just Jewish Christians, you know, <clears throat> rather than opening it up for everybody else. And as soon as the theology changes, that's when everybody seems to flip out, is when you realize that the message might become more inclusive or grow and be bigger than it was before. Mm-hmm. And it's weird how people want to kind of put God in a box, like, well, God can't evolve, but everything else can, you know. Mm-hmm. So, it's, I don't know, God. The same yesterday, today, and forever, yeah. baby. And that's and that's the thing. I mean, even if even if that declaration is true that God is the same, I mean, the, this phenomenon we call God, which is all transcendental, all everything, um, 
and and then we 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 hear this you know god is now tomorrow and forever and the past always the same as though as though it sort of um promotes this idea of being stagnant or also we filter it through our filter i don't want to sound redundant but um, even if there is, even if there's such a thing as a God, and even if there's such a thing as a God that never changes, that doesn't comment on our getting, our our limiting that and funneling it down through our own capricious uh, way of wanting to stay the same. Um, because I don't want to get too much gush here, but like. When people tell me, well, you know, what, 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 is, what is truth? What is truth? And then I say, well, maybe relativity is truth. Right. Mm. And in and of itself, seems <laughs> yeah. like a contradiction. Right. But I think sometimes vocabulary doesn't have the capacity of capturing everything. Totally. It is powerful. Language is powerful, mm-hmm. but I think it also has its limitations. Yeah. So I think vocabulary could be a bit of a metaphor to, to us. Mm-hmm. We are limited. And that isn't also uh, either a permission for us to, to, to be conformist or to... Or to get stuck. I think there's such a beauty when we can be honest with ourselves in every process. Yeah. In every process. Like we know when we're bullshitting ourselves. <laughs> right. Like like I've been I've been talking today uh, lately about my my process of parting from a six year relationship. And I I know how I have sabotaged post relationships before in my life where I have when I'm talking to a person to sort of like convey like yeah I'm working on this da, 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 da. but in reality I'm conveying something that's not really happening I just know the words or the the, the phrases that that person might might be able to hear right. and be like yeah he's doing good but now I'm like I really want to work with myself and my shit and really work out what is it that I was doing maybe in that partaking of an experience with another person that was something was a causation of me well what was i doing that i now in my in my alone space can work on my own and i have to be honest i I mean i can't i can bullshit my therapist all i want but i have to be honest and and until i'm honest nothing can happen and but and and what i wanted to get at when 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 we're vulnerable oh it's it's magical it really is magical but not everyone is ready to to be in that in that place of vulnerability. Yeah, and that inspires change, and that inspires evolution. That inspires us to question theology, and I think theology could be um, a uh, a parallel to substance, like uh, how we are willing to question substances rather than like how we change the worship or change the style and 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 just work on the illusion. I think Peter Peter talks a little bit about this in the and the idolatry of God, how we focus on on the illusions and we let the illusions guide us until we finally realize oh, that's an illusion. That's yeah. not that's not real. Just changing the icing and eating the same cake. Mm. When you came out to Brooklyn, um, you were you coming out just to see revolution or what were you doing? Man, coming out of coming out of Hillsong was that's right. a was was it was something I needed to do? Like, like a I super got, mega, it's a super mega church. It's, Hillsong's it's, intense. It's it's, it's, it's an international. It's international mega churches. Like they have one in New York, they have one in Australia, and other places. Back then they didn't. Back okay. then, they, I mean, back then it was, but it, but it was big. I mean, it was yeah. well known because of their music. 
I mean, now it's become like a entity of colonization. Mm-hmm. Like um, going to different cities, to different metro- metropolises, because it's very strategic. I mean, just I don't want to like I don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater and just make everyone into demons. But there's a strategy when you are when you are going into these metros. But going back to your question, when I when I when I left Australia, I come out from a very toxic relationship. It was just very I was I was like 21. I was experiencing life. Um, it was bad. I got kicked out of I, I, I got kicked out of Hillsong College. Um, it wasn't because of any radical thing. It was just because I, I just stopped attending. Okay. And they were they were doing the responsible thing. They're like, well, you're not attending. You, we have to keep <laughs> we have to right. keep quota of your attendance, and you have a visa. So I got kicked out. I mean, I managed to find a way to stay there. With I appealed this, the whole decision. I was able to stay there a longer time, and when I wasn't subscribe to the college but when i left i left really disillusioned and i i mean i had already known about revolution for years and i was still listening to the podcast in australia i picked up messy spirituality oh yeah that book's jam and that book in that time in 2005 that book yeah mike iaconelli yeah it just totally and, and I remember hearing you talk about it, but it wasn't it wasn't until then. And I think it was just because I was in a low point of my life, I got kicked out. Not only have got have I gotten kicked out of a college, but I was I was about to get kicked out of a country. And how do you tell your parents this? <laughs> Messy spirituality, <laughs> <laughs> you know. So that book definitely helped me through the process. And also, my parents is almost like they is almost like they had read the book how they reacted to that. They had a lot of grace. So going to New York, yeah, it was an intentional thing about okay. revolution. It was a, it, and, and I had been, I, I had left to New York because I had gone with Elena, my friend Elena, the little curly haired yeah. New York girl that we, we, we left together, Hillsong, and she was living in, in Brooklyn. So I left and I had a place with her. I had a place with her family. So that gave me a little bit of a cushion to fall on. But I, but the, but a, a motivating element definitely was revolution. And that became like, oh, using Christian metaphor, that became like a well of living water for what I was going through. Wow. It, it really did. It helped me so much. It wasn't magic, but it was definitely what I needed in that time. You know, well, that's cool to hear. You know, then after that, I was like, oh, fuck revolution. I've <laughs> <laughs> <Just, laughs> outgrown them. That's what happens. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. That's I'm kidding. The, that's, it was, I mean, to the day, I'm still in touch. Yeah, I mean, we hung out in Belfast, me and you and Pete. Yes, when I was in Germany, yeah. No, I, that's I, right. I, you're all over the place, Angel. Australia, Brooklyn, Germany. He's always all over. Every time I hear from him, I'm like, I wonder where he is. But lately, I've been quite stationed here in, in Houston. But yeah, when I, I was, uh, I met up with Jay back. I think it was 2016. I yeah. think it was for the for December, and that, that was that's when I was in Germany. I was with this girl. We 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 lived four years in Germany together, and uh, that thing came up, and I'm like, I'm so close. Why yeah. not hop over? And it was good. And it was another one of these things that was very. It was a good little parenthesis. For with with what I was going through, I mean, it was it was a lot of stuff going on in my life. Living Germany, living with a person, uh, living in a different culture, not being ready, depression, mm. not knowing it, and juggling things that I'm not so ready to. You yeah. know, so now now it's coming all to fruition. Yeah, to, to yeah. Dealing 
with those things. And that's why uh, these last few conversations that Jay and I have had, like, um, it feels like we're dealing with some shit that we probably have put on the pause button. Yeah. Not, mm. not purposely, but just life, just, just life. Yeah. Well, for time's sake, let's get into our, main, our only segment, our, our only segment. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Revolu- <laughs> one question we ask everybody is what do you think we could be doing more of or less of or better at? I guess it's, not it's like it's, it's not even like one question. It's not it? one question. We, we, we still don't know how to ask it. We don't know how to ask it, but we're figuring. <laughs> what out, can we do? How can we improve? What do you think would, would help us? Help improve? us help you. I I definitely. I'm I definitely sure you like have an this. opinion. I definitely. <laughs> you know that about me. Um, but I'm more humble about it now. So Thank that's you. that's the process I'm going. And through. you're humble about the humility. That's good. <laughs> yes, that's how you acknowledge it. Yeah, I'm very humble. I think I think that this you guys are doing and that that is that 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 was never done at least very intentionally explicitly I think is definitely a great great thing uh to to really give that intentional space of hearing people from all the spaces they're coming from um the transmitting the services online live uh that that is that is definitely welcoming people. It's welcoming people to interact in a live way, and this is also welcoming people to to share. So, yeah. so it's turning something that could be very rhetorical into more praxis and more practical. Um, what could you guys do more? Uh, I mean, I'm, I don't, I don't listen to Revolution all that much. When I, when I do, when I do listen to it, like now, it's been more interesting because it's been more like live. Yeah. So now it's like at eleven, um, but you guys aren't very punctual. So I'm like, yeah, eleven is happening. It's <laughs> going on. Eleven is happening. Um, eleven ish. You guys are being led by the spirit of yeah. spontaneity. It's always after eleven. That's consistent. Yeah. There, <laughs> that is. That is actually true. I'm gonna start putting that after eleven. We start after 11. Yeah. Come after 11. <laughs> and cover your asses there. Like, it's after 11. <laughs> no, no money back guarantee. It's like, like after right. 11. Um, I really don't. I think just uh, con- continue, uh, like, listening. I think listening is such a beautiful thing when you, we, um, something I, I, I do is I do a lot of Mr. Rogers. So, um hmm. Mr. Rogers is like post posthumously has taught me a lot about listening, um, and I think listening is is a powerful thing when we when we listen to one another. So if we can continue doing that, th- these seem like abstracts, but they are very concrete, like listening to each yeah. other and listening to a person that we uh, like. I asked Jay, "Hey Jay, what did you?" Um, what was the conversation that you stored or you treasure from being with your dad in, in Christmas time? And then you said like, you know, the time that you spent with his, you spent with his grandkids, with your kids. Um, I think when we, whenever we might be in that circumstance, I'm sure it's, it could be heavy, but those are, I guess, polishing moments for, for, for us because, because it gives us a chance to, mm. to, to slow down and to listen um, so listening more to listen more to each other, it's a great thing. I think that's my, the here, the guy who talks a lot. Yes. <laughs> well, we're listening. We're trying you to. You got a chance to fulfill that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You're creating the opportunity. 
it's comforting to to hear like for example you did that that uh lose the bible belt with um with one huertas yeah which is such a crazy thing the guy has my last name too we we got in touch and listening to him this is not directly connected to this with some some project you're doing it was very comforting it was very um it's good to know that a person is journeying and they don't have the same journey as you do, but they're journeying. And to hear, to hear that, I mean, one doesn't maybe acknowledge how, how powerful that thing is because things can get quite lonely sometimes. And I've been experiencing loneliness a lot lately. And, and, and mm-hmm. I think it just comes with that finding yourself in front of the mirror yeah. and, and starting to deal with stuff. Mm-hmm. But Having you guys, having other people, it's no magical wand, but it does definitely help a lot. Uh, you know, things without you guys would be a little bit, a little bit more intense, perhaps. Oh, that's real. Yeah, thanks, man. Well, buddy, thank you for taking the time to sit down with us and chat. Gracias a ustedes. All thank right. you, guys. Viva la Puerto Rico. And uh, <laughs> Viva Puerto Rico, Viva Puerto Rico Libre. Yeah. We got to talk about trip to Puerto Rico. Yes. This guy's going to Puerto Rico soon, so we will. I gotta prepare. Looks like we're gonna go there and set up a church plant. That'll be good. There you go. Start another <laughs> you, yeah, another, yeah, we'll, we'll more, start more, more white people in Colombia. <laughs> I mean, Colombia and Puerto Rico is, I'm sure, what you need. All right, buddy. Well, thanks so much. I'll Adios, talk to you amigos. soon on, on the Instagram. All right, have a good one. Much right. peace. Gracias. Bye. Our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website. If you enjoyed this show, you might also like Loosen the Bible Belt with Kristen Becker and myself, Jay Baker. I'm so grateful um, for what the LGBTQ community has done for my family and stood with my family when most everybody pretty much told us to go to hell. And um, even surprised by some of the folks who've even loved my dad, even through this, you know, his changes and everything, you know, and it's just, Uh it's one of those things that um, pain recognizes pain and uh, loss and... uh, Yes. It's just interesting to see how that interview, you know, helped set up a, a safety net for us when everybody, you know, went from loving and wanting to be on the show to no one wanting to have anything to do with my family. And uh, isn't that amazing? I'm just, yeah. I'm really grateful for the way things worked out. You know, I, yeah. I, I don't know if I how I sometimes struggle with the idea of an interventionist God, especially after I lost my mom to cancer. But um, yes, but. Uh, I don't know. It gives me hope. That's what I say. Is it gives yeah. me great, great hope. And, and to be able to talk to you and the fact that you're still alive to me is just, yeah. it's a miracle. Yeah. Yeah, just pure and really simple is. a miracle. I've, there's no other way to explain yeah. it. Eh, well, you know, the, uh, in the medical world, they call me an anomaly. <laughs> and uh, in the in the uh, in the church world, they call me a miracle, uh, or what happened to me is a miracle. That was a post-Christian podcast.